Macworld Podcast number 76 for February 28, 2007. Sponsored by MYOB, Small Business Management Software. MYOB helps you to mind your own business smarter. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. Later in the show, Macworld Editorial Director Jason Snell leads a discussion of mobility and the Mac with Macworld's Jonathan Seff, Philip Michaels, and Dan Frakes. In that discussion, the boys talk issues including Axiotron's Modbook, which is the modified MacBook that acts as the first Mac-based tablet PC, the potential of an Apple sub-notebook, they reminisce about the PowerBook Duo, have word of Dan's new mobile Mac blog, and take a look at today's Apple News. And speaking of news, a couple of highlights and comments about the news of this week. Yep, that's pretty much the size of it. N-O-T-H-I-N-G is happening. In January, Steve Jobs announced that the Apple TV would ship in February. Now, let me just take a gander at the calendar and the spot over there reserved for FedEx deliveries. Right. Last day of February, and I got nothing. To be fair, Apple announced on the 26th that the Apple TV would be delayed. According to an Apple spokesman, quote, Wrapping up Apple TV is taking a few weeks longer than we projected, and we now expect to begin shipments mid-March, unquote. I just traveled to the Apple store, and it confirms this. Order an Apple TV today, and you'll be told that shipments will begin in that self-same mid-March. So other than Apple not doing something it was supposed to do, is there any real news? Well, it as far as Apple's concerned, no, not much. However, there is some news in the virtualization space, and that is that Microsoft has finally come up with a reason why its end-user license agreement forbids you to run the home versions of Vista under virtualization. According to a Microsoft representative that we contacted, here's that justification. Quote, For production machines and everyday usage, virtualization is a fairly new technology and one that we think is not yet mature enough from a security perspective for broad consumer adoption. Today, customers using virtualization technology with Windows are primarily business customers addressing application compatibility needs or technology enthusiasts. For that reason, Windows Vista Home Edition and Windows Vista Home Premium cannot be installed in any virtual machine technology, but Windows Vista Business and Windows Vista Ultimate can. This is regardless of the virtualization stack, applying equally to use with Microsoft's virtualization technology virtual PC and third-party virtualization technology, unquote. So, the reason is security, rather than Microsoft simply wishing to pick the pockets of users who don't wish to run Microsoft as their computer's primary operating system. Yeah, it sounds like gobbledygook to me too, but there is this. Windows Business and Ultimate Editions do have additional security features that Vista Home doesn't have. But, given Microsoft's past relaxed view of security, I can't help but be a little skeptical that, in a case where the company also stands to sell far more expensive versions of Vista virtualization customers, it's suddenly concerned about the security of its operating system running on my Mac. VMware is no more pleased. Last Friday, the company published a white paper suggesting that Microsoft's prohibitions were based on issues of competition rather than security. Among its charges, VMware cited Microsoft's restriction of support for virtualized products, restrictions on running Microsoft virtual machines on third-party virtualization software, restrictions on the mobility of virtual machines, 
prohibitions on desktop virtualization and the general secrecy around virtualization specifications. The company's co-founder, Mendel Rosenblum, compared Microsoft's current actions to its moves against Netscape, which led to the company's convictions on antitrust charges. Whether the news picks up or not, this one is worth keeping an eye on. In the meantime, I can report that XP runs so much better than Vista under virtualization that those interested in running Windows might want to opt for the earlier versions of Windows, at least until Parallels and Vista come to a better meeting of the minds. And now, before I turn the mic over to Jason Snell and the Macworld Mobility crew, a word from our sponsor, MYOB. 1989, David Hasselhoff was dancing on the Berlin Wall, Michael Jordan was in search of his first title, and the brand new Macintosh SE had 4 megabytes of RAM. 1989 was also the year MYOB introduced their award-winning software for Mac small businesses. 17 years later, MYOB is still empowering small business owners to manage their customers, vendors, inventory, payroll, and of course their accounting. To learn how MYOB can help your small business, visit myob-us.com. MYOB. Mind your own business. Smarter. And now in a conversation recorded last week, which will become evident about three-quarters of the way through the discussion, Macworld Editorial Director Jason Snell talks Mac Mobility with Jonathan Seth, Philip Michaels, and Dan Frakes. Thanks, Chris. I'm here at the Macworld offices with Jonathan Seth, Senior Editor at Macworld. Hi-de-ho. And with Executive Editor Philip Michaels. Ahoy, hoy. And coming in over the magics of the interweb, we have Senior Editor Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan. Hi there. Yeah, this is uh, exciting for us. We've got people here and people elsewhere. And Dan has never looked better to me. <laughs> yes, that's right. He looks like a microphone. Um, so one of the issues I wanted to bring up on our, our little roundtable is mobility in general. And, and uh, one of the big things on the uh, in the next issue of Macworld, in the April issue, which should be reaching people as we speak. Uh, our cover story is a mobile Mac super guide, and uh, one of the things that I write about in the issue in my column is the fact that for the last nine months, if you look at um, the number of systems that Apple has sold, 60% of Apple systems are laptops. And so, you know, it, there was a time when laptops were... Um, kind of weird and different, and they're, they're mainstream almost to the point where desktops are weird and different now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of neat that it's taken that turn there. I mean, one of the things we talk about in that story is uh, how you can really use a laptop as your primary system now, and, you know, there are ways of setting it up, and, you know, like you have in your office here, you use a laptop, and you have it set up as your primary system, and you got hooked up to a monitor and a keyboard and a mouse, and... You know, it's it's things have changed. Yeah, I think Phil and I both do that. Where we right. hook up a MacBook to uh, he's got a MacBook Pro, I've got a MacBook, and it's hooked up to an external display and because keyboard. Because the the performance issues are really not that apparent unless unless you're doing a lot of Photoshop processing. Say that then then the my MacBook Pro begins to get sleepy. But that's a a, a byproduct of the the. the the universal compatibility not being right yet right CS2 right because right. I actually am using the CS3 beta and mm-hmm. it works great it's, it's uh, actually pretty good so um, and Dan do you have a I mean you've got a laptop is that your primary or do you have a you have a Mac Pro don't you I have a Mac Pro you're one of those cool I, I, people 
Yeah, exactly. I got the big machine. But no, I actually also have a MacBook Pro and use it quite a bit. And, uh, you know, what you guys are saying is right. I mean, the, if you look at today's laptops as compared to the ones from even a few years ago, they're competitive with a lot of the desktop systems. And they got, you know, big bright screens that are actually fairly color accurate nowadays. Um, you know, better battery life. You, they can take, you know, two gigabytes, three gigabytes of memory. Um, the cost is nowhere near as I mean, remember the, what was it, the 5300C that was like seven or $8,000 to get the top of the line uh, Apple laptop? You know, nowadays it's what, under three grand? Yeah, I mean, I, my MacBook that I'm using is the top of the line of the MacBook line, and it's it's still under $2,000 because it's not a MacBook Pro. And, you know, really when that iBook came out, that kind of changed the game there because there was that time. Uh, when where you paid a real premium. Although that said, the second Mac I bought was a PowerBook, and I have never not had a laptop. Even if I had a desktop too, I've never not had a Mac laptop since then because it's just so darn convenient. I have always used portables as my as my personal machine. Yeah, and I always have a few. I always have a big desktop that has lots of hard drives in it and uh, right. for doing everything, but then I always have a laptop so I can carry it around. Or Dating, dating back it, to the PowerBook 145, I think it was. I think that you had the, a 145. That and was I, the size of a phone book. Yeah, and I had a 160. But it didn't burst into flames. No, no, it was very That durable. was a different model. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think that that has made wire, uh, laptops so much more popular is nowadays the wireless networking. I mean, it's something that you don't get out of all the desktop machines. You can take it anywhere you want and still get Internet access. And I think that was a key moment when laptops became much more desirable. Now, when we look at the um, at the future of Mac laptops, um, you know, one of the things that people have talked about for a while was this idea of uh, an Apple version of the tablet PC. And uh, in the April issue, and as well as on Macworld.com, John has a piece about this uh, modbook. You're one of the few people to get your hands on it for, for a, a length of time outside of sort of standing on the show floor at Macworld Expo. And I know you've talked about that before, but, I mean, in a nutshell, uh, how was it to use that, that uh, product, the tablet system? It, it, as I wrote, uh, it's a little bit of, you know, the familiar and the non at the same time because it's just a MacBook that's been, you know, modded with the top taken off, sort of sheared off, and then replaced with a with a digitized screen and a pen. And, you know, so it's got a lot of the, you know, it runs OS ten. It's got all of the um, components and all of the ports that the, the MacBook has. But then you have a pen as your input device. There's no keyboard, and so it's it's really kind of a, a different experience. And you know, I tried using it for things like writing an email or, or or entering text, and it takes a long time to get used to. But you know, I think one of the conclusions that we've all come up with by looking at this thing is that it's really more designed for the creative people that want to use it as a design tablet and for doing uh, Photoshop work or Illustrator work. Um, it's a really interesting product, and, you know, the response so far, I mean, the product's not even out yet. These are all going to be custom-built, but the response from Expo um, was such that uh, the, the president of the company making them said they might have to rethink their whole business plan because so many people are interested that they might not be able to produce enough, you know, in the span of time they were expecting. Yeah, it's such a niche product, and yet the people who are in that niche are absolutely insane about it. And it's this interesting thing where you get a lot of people like, eh, whatever, I, you know, it's or it's academically interesting because it's different. And then you've got the people who it really in, appeals to, and, and they're over the moon about this. So it, it'll be interesting to see. 
um, see how it goes. I think Microsoft and all the PC makers who've tried tablet PCs have realized it's a really narrow market. But I think the people who want that kind of computer, I mean, thank goodness that you know, Apple obviously has decided that there's not a market there for that. But um, somebody like um, Axiotron and OWC can come in and say, well, you know, it's a big enough market for us. And, and I don't think Apple ever will figure that that's a big enough market for I agree it. with you. Uh, no, I, th- I think Apple is much more likely to produce a, a sub-notebook type uh, type system like a 12-inch screen, maybe not as much processing oomph as a Mac, MacBook. Well, that's funny that you should mention that because I was going to say the, the in the realm of speculation, um, I think that the heat has turned toward this idea of Apple doing a sub-notebook. And i got to say, as somebody who likes small Mac laptops, that speculation's been going on for almost as long as the speculation about Apple um, doing a cell phone. And we know Apple's never going to do a cell phone. <laughs> so um, That would be madness. So, you know, Dan Frakes, what what do you think? Uh, sub notebook from Apple? Uh, would you get in line for that? Oh yeah, I mean I've been saying for a couple of years now the two things that I want from Apple are uh, sort of uh, uh, an expandable middle of the range desktop, you know, kind of like an iMac without a screen, and a sub notebook. Those are the two things that uh, that I'm, I would love to see. Uh, but for people like John and I, where we've got desktops at home and we use our laptops mainly when we want to go mobile, uh, we don't need all the processing power or the huge screen or anything like that. We just need something that's that's uh, got enough power to do the things we need to do on a daily basis. And uh, but that's small enough to just slip in a bag and take with us. And uh, I, I'd love to see an Apple sub notebook. I got to say, I would not. I would imagine that most Mac laptop users, or at least a huge percentage of them, have access to a Mac desktop as well. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who it's just 100% laptop, but you know, most of the people I know, they've got a desktop either at work or at home, and then they've got the laptop which goes back and forth and goes outside and all of those things. So, um, you know, some of the rumors say maybe an Apple sub notebook doesn't have an optical drive in it, and you know, that made me think: when was the last time I used my optical drive in my MacBook? And it happens from time to time, but um, you know, I, I could probably get by with kind of borrowing other people's systems or waiting till I get home and using the G5 that I have at home. Yeah, right. And, and you know, we're doing that. We're going to be taking a look at MCE's uh, new drive replacement for the. Um 15-inch, where they actually take your optical drive out and stick a second hard drive in. And it's, you know, like you said, I don't know how many times I actually use the optical drive. Not very often. So it's definitely expendable. And, of course, in a sub notebook, you would forego that space altogether just to get it smaller. Right. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that would be important would be to keep a decent battery life. But if you remove some of the, the sort of superfluous elements of a laptop, you could keep the battery life up there. And, and you know, if you don't need the processing power, um, you know, there are a lot of low-power uh, chips out there now. And so you could do a good job of, of keeping the, the power consumption down and having a, a longer battery life with something that doesn't need to be performing at the same level as, say, a MacBook Pro. It's interesting, you know, when the when the PowerBook started, Apple was Apple had the Duo Duo line fairly soon after they introduced the first line of, of PowerBooks, and they were kind of these you know light featured sub notebook kind of laptops. It's the Duo Doc, and they and they were it was a pretty cool idea, and it just sort of went by the wayside, and it sort of never caught on. And since then, with the exception of that one, what was it, the twenty four hundred twenty four hundred C. 
with the exception of that, they really haven't done this uh, uh, kind of small laptop. And, yeah. and the 12-inch PowerBook, you know, was a revelation to me. I, mean, I actually had the iBook when it came out because it was so small, the 12-inch iBook. And then they came up with the PowerBook. And now we're back up to the 13-inch being as small as it goes, which is not small enough. I now, now, why didn't those systems uh, catch on? Was that just a, a, a byproduct of Apple at the time? Uh, not, you know, not being run by the smartest guys in the room? or uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there's something to the fact that the duos didn't work because they were this kind of weird thing that didn't that was compromised and you had to buy the dock and attach it. And, and, and I think Apple went to a philosophy that has served them well generally, which is um, the computers we make are going to have everything you need in them. And that's when, when Apple gets accused, and Dan, I mean, you've written how many articles about this, when Apple gets accused of being too expensive with their systems, when you take it apart, what you find is Apple's low-end system is more expensive than a bare-bones system, but that's because Apple chooses not to make a bare-bones system. They right. include an optical drive or an Ethernet port right. or the, the kind of things that you'd have to add. Well, and the irony here is that, you know, Apple did this with the Duo back in, what, 1993, 94, 95? And since then, since, you know, they did the, the, the PowerBook 2400C, I think it was on, like, 95 or 96, and then Apple dropped that whole concept of the, you know, uh, optional drive thing, but PC vendors have been doing that since, and that's how you get a lot of the the sort of the more expensive sub-notebooks from, like, Sony and IBM and <clears throat> and um, Hewlett-Packard and stuff. They're their smallest notebooks don't have optical drives. They're actually add-ons. Uh, my wife's cousin just got a brand new uh, Windows PC that doesn't have an optical drive at all. And uh, so it's something that's clearly, you know, Phil mentioned why didn't it catch on. Maybe it was just ahead of its time. People didn't, you know, they didn't want to be carrying around, you know, extra drives and stuff. And also back then, I mean, you kind of had to have an external drive because the hard drives were so small. Maybe nowadays you just don't need, a, you know, an optical drive as much as you used to. Well, yeah, let me tell Take a second and, and praise the Duo. I was just starting at Mac user when the Duo line was sort of at the end of its line, and uh, somebody there, one editor there, had a Duo dock, and the Duo dock was this brilliant idea, and and you know it didn't catch on. But as somebody who's a full-time laptop user, when you do that, even now there's a compromise. It's not like it used to be. We've got dual core systems now, but there's still some performance compromises. And and the brilliant thing about that Duo dock, not only did you hook up your monitor and keyboard and stuff to the dock, and then you sort of, the duo dock, the way it worked, you sort of stuck the laptop in like you were sticking in a, a, a videotape into a VCR, and it slid in, but it had, like, its own processor inside, so when it was right. in the dock, it could use this, like, power-hungry, um, snazzy processor, and then when you pulled it out, instead it used its little lightweight, low-energy processor that was on board. I mean, it was kind of a brilliant idea to, to sort of bridge desktop and laptop, and for whatever reason, um, you know, it didn't... It didn't work out, but uh, I, I'm I'm certain that there are a lot of people who would snap up an Apple Sub Notebook today. Hey Dan, um, while we've got you, I wanted to I wanted to bring up the fact that we just started a new blog on MacWorld.com that you're basically uh, the primary contributor for ca- called Mobile Mac. That's about uh, laptop stuff. Obviously, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you've got planned for that? Well, we've always always had the Mobile Mac section in the magazine, or we have for some time now. Uh, but the problem is, there's just way too much stuff to 
out there for laptop users nowadays to cover in the magazine. Um, for example, take laptop bags. You know, we we get questions in our forums and in emails all the time about you know what's a cool bag, what do you think about this bag, and people want to know about them. But you know, given the limited space we have in the magazine to cover different topics, they don't want to know about them. You know, at the expense of something you know more important to them. So uh, we've got all kinds of opportunities to cover things like laptop bags, accessories, mobile products. You know, Palm stuff. Uh, I guess, you know, even the iPhone when it comes out and accessories. And so uh, we figured it was about time we had a place where we could do that regularly. And so the uh, birth of the mobile Mac, mobile Mac weblog. Yeah, well, we're going to have bag reviews aplenty, I think. I've got a I've got a Nike iPod backpack here. It's sort of bridging the gap. It's an iPod accessory and a laptop bag that I, I know I owe you a, a review of. And it's <laughs> not going to be a good review, i got to say. But um, it'll be fun. It'll be good to get um, more laptop stuff, I think, on the on the website. I mean, hey, 60%. 60% in the last yeah. nine months of, of new Macs or laptops. That's huge. Well, yeah, we just covered uh, last week, or earlier this week, actually, the, a bunch of card readers for laptops, you know, the internal card readers, and got tremendous response from readers. That you know, were uh, it's the first place they'd seen a lot of the coverage of that. Well, so look to MacWorld.com for much more laptop stuff, and you know, if you're a, a magazine reader, you can look to your issue, look to your mailbox, and you'll be seeing a lot of laptop stuff, including John's look at the Mod Book and um, some other great articles. Um, big gl- piece by Glenn Fleischman about the new Airport Extreme Base Station, um, and a bunch of tips about using your laptop as your primary machine, which I think is uh, what a lot of people are doing these days. Um, wanted to shift gears just for a minute and talk. About about um, the other big news going on in the uh, in in the Mac market right now, as we as we speak in late February, um, Phil, what is the big news? Is there any big news? Well, the big news is from from our perspective as 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 people who who go around reporting the news is that there hasn't been that much news, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. as, as we sit here um, on a on a lovely Thursday afternoon in, in San Francisco. Um, we're, we're staring out at the Pacific Ocean and hoping all the cargo ships we see passing through the windows are, are carrying uh, Apple TVs inside. <laughs> um, Apple has about a week to meet that February ship date. Um, and so far as we know, uh, they're, they're going to be going down to the last minute with I be- that. I believe when this podcast appears, it will be the 28th of February. So mm-hmm. hopefully you will know whether Apple made their deadline or not. Mm-hmm. You may have to wait till midnight to, to find out. Exactly. But, and then there's the iPhone. I mean, our two big announcements from Expo are both delayed products. Well, they're not right. delayed, but they're time yeah. time dilated, right? It's February and June mm-hmm. instead of, you know, give me something now. There was nothing from Apple. And, and before coming in here, I was combing through our archives from 2006 just to, just to see are we are we being oversensitive to the fact that we're 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 waiting around for for Apple to come up with things and last year at this time we had um, the iMacs that were announced at Expo we had new versions of iWork and iLife that had new, already new Mac Mini uh, Intel th- Mac th- th- right? not, not not just yet actually because um, I, I did a search from January 1st 2006 to uh, February 22nd 2006 just to see what the news was 
And on this date, or on the 21st of 2006, Apple announced a special event for the 28th of February, which was where they unveiled Ah, the Mini. They had also come out with the iPod Nano 1 gigabyte version. Uh, Showtime had signed on to put on TV shows at the iTunes Music Store. There was a lot happening. (laughs) We had had just done the benchmark testing for the MacBook Pros, which had started shipping in February, not on the last day of February, like apparently the Apple TV is, (laughs) is looking towards and it's just it's what a difference a year makes and i i, I certainly it's 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 uh, a bummer from the perspective of if you live and breathe apple news as we do as many of our readers do but is it that bad for apple really um uh, they seem to be doing okay. they seem to be doing okay yeah. looking at the looking at the stock price looking at all the the cash they have on hand well i think everybody figures that there's sort of a damn that's going to burst mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. And, and, and while those of us in the media, and li- I mean, let's be honest here, it's us saying, come, you know, this is all about us. This is all about, come on, give us stuff to write about. We want traffic on the website. We want cover stories in the magazine. But if you view it from the other perspective, that look, they, they already had a couple big announcements. That was just in January. And, you know, there, there's obviously going to be more to come. It's just that, you know, we, we're sitting here going, we, we want more, we want more. And we're also looking at all the iPhone speculation, which is, you know, painful because there's no new information. Right. And yet there are new iPhone stories all the time. They're just, you know, it's this endless cycle of we know nothing, but we, you know, I don't think we yeah. do this as much as some other other places, but, you know, we're, we, you know, some of our blog sites are as guilty of this as anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, people are excited about the iPhone. Let's write about it. What is there to write about? Nothing. Okay, let's speculate about it then because right. there's nothing else going on. I wonder what, what? the first uh, domino to fall is going to be, what that, that product that does uh, get announced by Apple will be that will usher in all this this new stuff. Will it be Leopard, which we know is coming in the spring? Uh, will it be uh, Apple TV? Will it be the sub notebook that we were talking about a few minutes ago? And I, I just, or will it be an update of some existing piece of hardware? And I, I have no idea. Well, the funny thing is, it's not even just us, us Mac world people who, as Phil said, live and breathe the Mac. I, uh, I, I have a good friend who's an editor at over at CNET, and I play basketball with him every weekend. Uh, he turned to me last night. He's like, you know what? We're just sitting around going, please release anything, Apple. Just anything, you know. You're killing uh, us. It, the, the, yeah, the tech media in general, I mean, kind of thrives off of Apple well, as Apple, of late. I mean, they're the stars, right? I mean, Apple's the one who's doing, like, innovation. You can do product stories from other companies, but Apple's the one that, you know, there's innovation, and then there are the competitors who say, oh, that's not innovation. Uh, and then they, you know, all proceed to try to copy what Apple's doing. There's this whole cycle that happens when Apple announces something, and and, you know, we're in a lull right now. There was uh, there was a piece that uh, Peter Cohen wrote on Macworld.com uh, last week. And uh, one of the – it was it was a little blog piece. And one of the commenters in the forums was, geez, slow news day. And, you know, my response to that was, you noticed? Hey, you cracked our code. <laughs> So what do you think, Dan? What's going to be the what's going to be the uh, the crack in the dam? Well, I, I, if there's something in February, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what it might be. But uh, you know, the sub sub note would be not, would be nice. Apple TV shipping other, would be good. Yeah, I think uh, some of the other products actually are, are long overdue. I think that the, the well, I don't know if long overdue is the right way to put it, but I think the Mac Pro is probably overdue for some kind of an update. Um, you know, even the MacBook Pro uh, could could use a, a bump here or there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Leopard or iWork or some of these the big software products uh, bef- well before June. I, I would I would expect maybe March, April, 
uh, you know, sometime in that time frame. That's and my I, personal guess. And I would think that Leopard is also what's holding up new versions of iWork and iLife. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if I were to take a wild guess. Yeah, it could be. It could be that that's a rule. Although I, I have had the um, – my other theory about iWork is that um, – or, or iLife is that – it's going to be time to an iMac announcement, you know, a consumer Mac where they could roll it out and roll iLife out. But I think it's one of those. I think it's either going to be tied to an iMac or, or tied to uh, to Leopard. Uh, just as, you know, Apple's kind of slowed down the pace of OS development, you know, where the new versions used to come out, you know, every once a year or however Apple was doing it, you know, they made a conscious decision to slow down the development of OS X. Um, and, you know, Developing iLife new apps and new versions every year in January is a lot of work, and you know maybe this is signaling the fact that they're not going to artificially update them when there's when there's a new uh, year, but rather when there's a good reason to do it. So it might it might not be every twelve months now. So are you are you predicting a name change for iLife or iWork? Well, Microsoft's been pretty good with uh, naming things after a year, even though they only come out every five or ten years. Yeah. So, but, no, I, but I think, it annoys me that I'm using Office 2004. Yes. Right. That's, that's and, and three years ago, man. Well, I don't know. Uh, may, I, I don't think Apple will necessarily abandon the, uh, the year stuff right now that they've got going. But, you know, they can call it iLife 2007 or iLife 07, even if they release it in April. You know, or May, it doesn't really matter. Or they could be like the car industry and call it yeah, iLife 2008. Car industry, that's or Microsoft. Microsoft <laughs> does that. Where we, you know, Office, the next version of Office for the Mac will be Office 2008. Exactly. That. Which makes people think it'll come out next year. Yeah. Well, it may well. <laughs> Actually, in, in, in my little joke at Microsoft's expense aside, they'll they'll be coming out in the second half of this year, I believe, is the the date that they've given. That's what they tell us. Yes. So so basically, to sum up, um, you know, please new products, please. Yes. We, for us, if really, it's all about us. If you're listening to this <laughs> podcast in Cupertino. <laughs> Please come out with something, even if it's just a list of your favorite recipes. Yes. And, and new colored iPod socks. Sure. Mm-hmm. As I've said many a time, uh, as far as Macworld is concerned, especially for the magazine, one big new piece of Apple hardware every month yeah. works for us. Put and, it on the cover, a, move on to the next issue. a couple weeks we before we close the issue, you know, we could maybe get a schedule going with Apple or something. We will cover the hell out of whatever you release <laughs> these days, Apple. So. Yes. And, and you can all think of that when you when you open your mailbox and see the April issue of Macworld and discover that the uh, OWC Axiotron mod book is actually on the cover so it's kind of and new it's apple. a worthwhile cover yes but it's new apple hardware that isn't really quite apple hardware which is kind of different for us but that's uh, where we are yeah, today. The, only, the only mac released at macworld expo is the mod book exactly well gentlemen thank you for your time all right thanks thanks jason goodbye and uh i'm gonna throw it back to uh to chris breen thanks jason And this wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by MYOB, Small Business Management Software. MYOB helps you to mind your own business smarter. I'd like to thank Jason Snell, Jonathan Seff, Philip Michaels, Dan Frakes, and, of course, you for listening. Oh, and if you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop me a line at mac911 at macworld.com. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. I'll see you next time.